Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Word on the Hill podcast. We are the Lanky Guys. You didn't do that. Of course I did. I've been recording you with your your little Irish dirge from the beginning. Uh, Who are you? My name is Father Peter Mosett. And my name is Scott Powell. And we are happy you're with us. We really are. And I am... I only got a little bit of your singing. (laughs) You were just there. You were so peaceful. Your little smile on your face. (laughs) Singing your little... (laughs) You sound like a leprechaun or something. (laughs) Um, our, our, like this <sighs> school year has started. That's technically not true, but T- today is uh, the queenship of Mary when we're recording. That it. is true. This is the queenship of Mary. It's Thursday. Thursday, the queenship of Mary. And, and uh, um, for CU, uh, school starts Monday. Yep. And which so really is, this is it, man. Yeah. So we're about, so, so this preparation has a lot of, uh, has a lot of weight for me because I've got this, uh, we got the mass on the grass, which is like. I don't know, 700 people come to Farron Field and we pray together in the heart of the campus. And it's just really, it's really powerful. It's really good. It's, uh, and it's a lot of pressure. If you guys are in Boulder, around Boulder, and you want to come to uh, the Mass in the middle of CU's campus, you should do that. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. Yes. Farron Field, 6 p.m., Sunday. Be there. Yeah. Or be square. And uh, and if you don't come, I, we ask you still please pray for that. Yeah, because it's a big, it's a it's a bold step right. to do mass on a Sunday night right before the first day of classes and the smack in the middle of the residence halls on campus. And then we have a big barbecue, and it's really fun. It's super fun. Um, but, but you, you're the you're the face of the thing, so that's a lot on you. So pray for Father Peter. Yeah, yeah, and um, and pray for those people who you guys know how it is. It's like you go to university, and there's a there's a decision point. Mm. Um, a lot of people have been kind of living their faith in a way that is uh, just in compliance with their parents, but mm. maybe not necessarily in the full heartedness. Yeah. And so there, some mm. people look forward to going to college so that they can stop going to church. Right. And, um, and, and some of them will give us one opportunity. We're looking for those kids that have their first Sunday away from their parents and they're like, finally, I don't have to go to mass. And then they open the window to their dorm and they're like, oh no, they found me. <laughs> that's, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Can but, you imagine being that kid? Oh. Like, oh, I'm totally going to ditch mass today. And you look outside and you're like, oh. <laughs> In the name of the Father, 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 and the Son. It does echo off the dome. And the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, for those of you who are starting school or have been in school or have nothing to do with school whatsoever, we are happy you're here. It is the 21st no, Sunday in Ordinary Time. 21. 21. I was reading through these readings and doing a little studying on them, and there's something about them that felt very... There felt a deep sense of finality to them. And Ooh. to such to the degree that I wondered... If the liturgical calendar shifted next week to something or there was something I was missing, it, it doesn't. It's just the next Sunday of ordinary time. But there was something about all of these together that felt there was a lot of weight in there that felt like a great finality to it. I was really curious. And maybe it's my mindset of like summer's ending, the school year starting. Like there's this big transition moment for us. And so maybe I read that into the text. But there, there I felt something of that in this. I think that that's a, I think that that's actually always... Uh... Always an experience with the word is that whatever you're bringing to it, there's these weird little highlights that pop out for you. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. so it is the so, last chapter of Isaiah, right? So that's something. The, the, yeah, which is kind of important. It's a big deal because everything kind of leads up to that moment. Mm. Speaking of which, 
our first, first reading, reading is, is <laughs> let's not do this. <laughs> it's gonna make me want to throw up. <laughs> okay. Our first reading is from Isaiah chapter sixty six, verses eighteen through twenty one. Our psalm is uh, <laughs> Psalm one seventeen, verses one and two. However, the response is from Mark sixteen fifteen. <laughs> gotcha, <laughs> tricked you. That's so funny when the truth says yeah, that to us. Yeah, it's the shortest small psalm. It's like literally, it's two lines. Do you know what the actual response though is from? Mark sixteen fifteen, which is where in Mark, the sixteenth chapter. Yes, thank you. <laughs> which is where in the book? The very, the very, very end. Is it the end? Yeah. There's what? something going on, man. I don't know what's going on. Maybe right. it's the end of the world as we know it. Maybe. I feel fine. Good. Our second reading is coming from Hebrews, not the end. <laughs> Just not the, in the end. Yep. Uh, chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, and then 11 through 13. And then our uh, good news is coming from Luke, uh, chapter 13. See what I did there? Evangelion. Evangelion. You translated it literally. <laughs> hey, man. That's my job. <laughs> I, I, I suppose. I suppose so. Or I don't know if that's my job. It's a it's job. Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 30. Also not the end. No. So, that's fine. But th- those two first things are the end things. The two first things are the end things. The that's first shall weird. be last. Ah, and the last shall be in the middle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, right. that, was, that was quick to, uh, that you just thought of that. Thanks, man. It yeah. didn't make any sense. It was nonsensical, but I did just think of it. No, no, it was sensical, especially since that's our gospel. Is in the middle? It's first shall be last, and last shall be first. Uh, yes, which is the middle of the gospel. <laughs> which is the middle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dude, this is the problem. When you drink it's a Red a Bull. Problem. This is the problem. When you oh, drink a Red Bull a and, and I don't drink a Red Bull. <laughs> then you're jealous. I'm just You're jealous. just envious of all my wit. I'm envious of your quick-wittedness. Quit, wh- quit, wit- quick-wittedness. Quick-wittedness. All right, Isaiah. So, okay, Isaiah, I, I am. I'm going to go on record. Oh. And call Isaiah the most confusing book in the Bible. <laughs> and I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to I'm going to stand just, by just it. Cha- just Revelation's claim it. got nothing on Isaiah. Name it and claim it, baby. Name it and claim it. I'm doing it. Revelation has nothing on Isaiah. Yeah, I, Isaiah is just it's law lo- it's 66 chapters. <laughs> and it's confu- it's like an episode of Lost. Like sometimes you're going back in time, sometimes you're going forward in time, sometimes you're going like sideways in time. And it's just it's it's crazy. Um None of which I really want to talk about today. That was just the sort of preface. <laughs> um, because the end is where, this is the very end. Chapter 66 is the last chapter and everything's kind of culminating. But to sort of understand, I think, where Isaiah is going at the end, we we obviously have to sort of at least get a couple of the pieces of how we got there. And I don't want to go through a whole thing on Isaiah. But um, here's a couple things I'm thinking. Uh, we're thrown into this middle part of the last chapter without a whole lot of context because the context is actually really important. So what we're, what we're given is, thus says the Lord, I know their works and their thoughts, but it doesn't tell us exactly who the they is. And I think it's very important that we find out who they is. Who are they? Who are their, <laughs> who are they and what are their works and thoughts? Um, He says, and I come to gather the nations of every language and they shall come to see my glory. I'll set a sign among them. For them, I will send fugitives to the nations, to Tarshish, Put and Lud, Mosach, Tubal and Javan, to distant coastlands. That poor lector who's going to have to read all those names. Oh, and and, uh, it's actually uh, our... uh, our, uh, I mean, all over the world. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) For us, she's inexperienced at the the thing. So I'm going to actually rehearse her on this one. Uh, Yeah. Tubal and Javan. Tubal. Um, Tarshish put Lud. 
Lud. Lud. Where are you from? Lud. Lud. That have never heard of my fame or seen my glory. They shall proclaim my glory among the nations. They shall bring your brothers and sisters from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and chariots and carts and mules and dromedaries to Jerusalem, my holy mountain, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites bring their offering to the house of the Lord in clean vessels, some of these I will take as priests and Levites, says the Lord. This is also about you, incidentally. Wow, you just you just read the whole reading for us. Well... Sometimes you do it. Sometimes do. you just got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you do it. Okay. Um, I, I was I was looking at this and and like, um, th- it's really beautiful to see like there's this kind of future vision of the church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. This is the future vision of the church. Right. I mean, like that's he's, a, that's a, like he's a having a vision. Exclamation part point there. Part. It's an exclamation part. 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 Is that what I just said? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Red Bull. It's the Red Bull. No, your your brain Red Bull. and your your Red Bull and brain are not connected. I don't know how to, what to do with each other. Yeah. Um. But, uh, so I've I've already said that this is the most confusing book of the Bible. I think. But the general trajectory of the book is basically remember there's Isaiah himself, who is living in this very dark time in Israelite history when there's a lot of un. Actually, when we sort of first meet um Isaiah, things seem like they're doing pretty well. That that's actually one of the problematic things about Isaiah's time. Is that they're having some success and uh, some some clout and wealth and prosperity and things are going okay, but Isaiah is privy to all of the moral failings and the covenantal failings of the people of Israel and and things are just lousy even though they're facing some worldly success, which is about to come to a, a crashing end when Assyria invades them and eventually Babylon will invade them and destroy them because of their unfaithfulness and then the books look looks way forward to the time when God will eventually. Store them and renew things. Right. And so we bounce around a lot, but and then if you kind of fast forward, there's this lament as you kind of get into the second half of the book of the people realizing their sin. Well, I don't know if they realize their sin exactly, but they realize the punishment. And they see that Jerusalem is about to fall, and they see that Babylon is coming, and they see all the consequences setting in, and they basically cry out. It's in chapter 63, there's a lament of all of Israel where they say, Where are you, God? Where have you gone? Where are you? Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? That started playing in my head as I said that. Wow, that's it's the Red Bull, though. Um, <laughs> where, but where, where are you, God? And then in chapter 65, you get the answer. And I know we're not in chapter 66 yet, but chapter 65 begins this way. Chapter 65 and 66 are kind of together in a certain sense. Okay. It's sort of the last judgment and the last vindication. Okay. Right. Here's where things are going and here's how I'm going to reconcile them. And God begins chapter 65 by saying, I reveal. So Israel is saying, wait a second. You were our God. Like, you're our guy. We were doing the things. We were going through the motions. We're offering our animals and sacrifice. What the heck? There's, their hearts are not in it, which is the whole problem, right? Their hearts are growing hardened and blind and deaf and everything else. And so they're like, where are you? Like, we're going through the motions. We're showing up on Sunday. We're doing our thing, right? So where'd you go? And his answer in chapter 65 is, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. And I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. And I was found by those who did not seek me. And they're like, What? We're not the only game in town. It's essentially Israel saying, wait a second. I thought you were our little God that we could keep in a box up on the hill and you would protect us and be our little magic rabbit's foot or whatever and that we'd be totally cool. What do you mean you've revealed yourself to somebody else? What do you mean you're not just our God? And he's like, you didn't want me. So I revealed myself to those who didn't ask for me. And I went to those who didn't seek me, partially because they didn't know they were supposed to seek me. So that by the time you get to chapter 66 then... 
this last chapter that we're in, which I can't find now because my Bible stuck together, but that's okay. Um, Basically, the Lord says, chapter 66 begins by saying, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is my house that you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. Israel's lament is essentially saying, wait a second. We built a big box for you to live in, Lord. And our job was to keep you in it so you would be our little lucky rabbit's foot or our our national symbol. Right. And God's like, you think you are? my throne? You think you are my sole dwelling place? No, I chose to dwell with you, of course, but where is my throne? My throne's in heaven. The earth is my footstool. This whole thing is mine. I am the king of kings. I'm the king of everything. You cannot contain me in the temple. So when you see me leaving the temple to go elsewhere, do not be surprised because you rejected me. And so I will go to my other people your brothers and sisters, which is what this passage is all about. When he says, I know their works and their thoughts. I know Israel's works. I know their thoughts. They're going through the motions. They're offering these animals, but then they're abusing the poor. They're rejecting the outsiders. They're doing all the things I've asked them not to do. And so I'm going to come and gather all of the nations of every language, which was what I initially intended Israel to do. That was Israel's job, to go out and gather the nations. They didn't, so I'll do it myself. And they'll come and they'll see my glory and I'll set a sign among them. And from them, I will send fugitives to the nations. And I got stuck on that term, fugitives to the nations. Where are they going? To places like Tarshish and put in Lud and Mosach and Tubal and Javan. Who's from Tarshish? Well, Paul, but this is the thing is that, is that the fugitives, you know, the sesomenos, um, which, okay. which also can be those who have been saved. Really? Yeah. So save, keep from harm, preserve, rescue, save from death, bring out safely, free from disease, to deliver, to rescue, to make safe. Like, huh, so, so, the, so the fugitive that we're actually talking about are those who have been saved. Wow. Some of those who survive. Yeah, I've got another translation here. It yeah, says, that's some a, of those who have survived. Survived. So those, those who have been preserved, who've been kept safe. Okay, hold on. Think about it. I'm not trying to read too much, and maybe I'm taking this too far. But what if you conflate the two translations? Let's get conflated. A, a, a fugitive who has survived. I mean, where, where my mind goes is Jesus, who was arrested and crucified as a fugitive. Oh, yes. Who actually Absolutely. was not kept by death, who actually did survive and came back. Right. And then all of those in the image of Jesus who come after him, i.e. the church, who are essentially in the image of the fugitive who survives. Right. Namely, who? Guys like Paul, who will be then the who? one. I mean, that's what Isaiah is saying. He's, it's looking forward to when Jesus, the fugitive who survives, and those who represent him and those who live in his body go out from places like Tarshish and put and, put and, and, and all of the ends of the earth to the distant coastlands, to all the people that have never seen his fame or his glory, and proclaim it among all the nations. Right. And in doing it, what are they doing? They're bringing your brothers and sisters back home. Right. And that's the part that I think Israel has missed through this whole thing. These outsiders, these thems, it's your brothers and sisters. From all the nations. And if you want to get really ironic, the people who are going to do it, or one of the people who is going to lead this charge, is actually one of those who is putting the fugitives to death. Right. Who's making them fugitives. Who's making them fugitives. Who now takes on their own identity and then goes and lives out the call of Isaiah 66. Which happens to be the first one who's mentioned from Tarshish. 
Isn't like, that interesting that it's the first one? Yeah, it's Paul of Tarshish. I mean, yeah. that's like really Saul of Tarshish. Saul of Tar- Tarsus. Obviously, this name gets changed as time goes on to Tarsus, but it's the same place. It's it's really it's actually really beautiful. This yeah. is the kind of tapestry tapestry view into the church, which is like which makes Isaiah so profound. Is that yes. I think Isaiah is like having the he's trying to make definitive these very profound. Um, hazy, web-woven images of what the future is is coming because it was even it was even Isaiah who said there's a web that's woven over all nations and that death will be destroyed forever. Yeah, because he understands that he himself is still under the web that is woven over all nations because he doesn't yet see clearly yet, which is the through the lens of the incarnate Son of God. Oh, Isaiah doesn't. I thought you meant Paul for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah Isaiah, 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 and so but, so yeah. it's but it's, he sees. It's kind of like Jesus uh, in Mark when he heals that blind guy. He's like, I can see, but I don't understand what I'm seeing. Right. And then you, I haven't received the fullness of the light yet. I keep on looking and, and, and like the, the theme that keeps kind of coming out for me from for all of the um, all of these readings is strength. I don't know why. And, I'll, and I'll, really? we'll, ta- we'll talk about okay. it a, a bunch more because like you will bring all your kin from all the nations as an offering on horses and chariots and carts and mules and dromedaries to Jerusalem. Like, you know, I don't know why, but that image reminds me of the Exodus. Hmm. I don't know why exactly. And I have no idea if that's part of what's behind Isaiah's words or in his context, but I hear people coming on horses and chariots and carts and mules and dromedaries. And I'm picturing both the Exodus and the entrance into the promised land. These movements from slavery to freedom. Mm. That's what I'm seeing. And, yes. and, which is what Isaiah is talking about, whether the Exodus is consciously on his mind or not. But we know the Exodus is big time behind the whole book of Isaiah. It's funny. I see, I see our mass on the grass. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, because... Coming on horses. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to come on a dromedary into mass yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, thank you. That'll be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but like, here are all these people. They're coming in their cars. They're coming on foot. They're riding their bicycles or skateboards. Mules. Th- mules. <laughs> If somebody comes on a mule, you're out of control. By the way, and I'm not even sure they're allowed unless it's a unless it's like a, a service mule. Service mule. Yeah. <laughs> Those are allowed, yeah, dude. I knew we could count on the Red Bull for something there. <laughs> I could come up with it really easily. Um, right. But then out of that, this is also the reason why I keep on seeing the uh, mass on the grass is that um, some of these I will take as take as priests and Levites. Not- notice how some of these who we're talking about, we're talking about the nations, the outsiders. The outsiders well, are going to be priests and Levites, who, which is crazy. Who Isaiah does take a very careful job of saying, actually, they're your little brothers and sisters. Right. And and he that is important because it's easy to categorize them just as they. But he's like these theys you didn't realize it. They're your even the Babylonians and the Assyrians, the Egyptians, those that you have been conquered by and are trying to conquer, they're your little brothers and sisters yes. in the faith. And you've ignored that. And some of them are going to be priests and some of you will lose it. And then you sort of stand as an example of that. It's and I can't, I can't there's no way to escape this concept. I love how beautiful it is that we leave our church on Sunday, which is across the street. We go out of the church. We go out of where it's safe. We go out of this nice, you know, uh, peaceful Enclosed. place. And we go out there 
to the place that's and it's it's always a little freaky we're smack in the middle of campus people think we're weird there's music and weird vestments and everyone's looking at us and it's just it's awkward and a hard and difficult but it's what the scriptures are asking us can you go out to the distant coastlands of campus right, right? to um Cheyenne Arapaho Hall and you know uh uh Libby you know I'm I'm thinking of I'm trying to exchange to these Ferrand. names to Farron, these names of towns with dorms, right? Can you go out to those places, to the distant parts of Canvas that have never heard of my fame or seen my glory? They've never seen the Mass. They've never heard the music and the worship parts that we sing. But they shall proclaim my glory among the nations. Those, that little freshman who's like peeking out the windows, like, what are those people doing out there? Right. I wonder what that's all about. Well, and, th- and that's where our response from Mark is so power- profound. It, it's so appropriate. Go out into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Yes, right. Just go go proclaim this. There's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a good news. The kingdom of God exists on the earth, that, that we actually have the a reality of the king who is the king of everything present in the midst of all of us. And it's no longer merely just Jerusalem in an in a in a concrete singular location that you have to go to the Holy Land for. Well, it is Jerusalem, but Jerusalem's not a geographic location anymore. That's what person. I'm saying. That's what oh, I'm saying. Sorry. It's not a particular <laughs> location within the Holy Land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That, it, that, it, that the throne of God exists on wheels, uh, yeah, basically, or feet, <coughs> or feet, feet. Because he's incarnate. Is, oh, he's incarnate. Oh, yeah. Because he's a guy. Yeah, Jesus. He's a guy. Have you heard about Jesus? I have heard of okay. him actually. In case you're wondering, <laughs> no, but you're you're actually recalling the image of Ezekiel that showed the presence of God on chariot wheels. Right. When Ezekiel was like, "What do we do? God's over there. He's in the temple. How can we?" And he's like, "No, I can move. I'm I'm mobile. I'm cool. I'm cool." And so then the wheels then that are foreshadowed and foretold in the prophets become feet. When I mean, you, there's almost an evolution of how mm. God decides to reveal Himself. Look, the wheels imply motion, but then the feet imply not just motion, but humanity. Because I'm actually not only going to be in motion, but I'm going to walk with you. Does that have implications for um, AI? <laughs> Jeez, maybe. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was oh, like, you and I get spun out on AI. Yeah. No. Can I just point out, though, that in this responsorial psalm, and I know we've kind of conflated the... Um, in a good way. I don't. I don't know if "conflated" is pejorative, but I mean it in a, in a good way. The putting the mark with the Psalm one seventeen, you actually get a call and response. The Psalm is always a call and response, but but right. do you hear what it says? Go, the gospel says, "Go out to all the world and tell the good news." And the Psalm responds, "Praise the Lord, all you nations." Why? Why can the nations praise the Lord? Because we've gone out to all the world with the good news. Right. So praise the Lord, all of you nations who heard it. Right. It's kind of cool though. I didn't put that together until just now. But it's a it's a cause and effect. And that's why the gospel's put here. And I love this line: "His mercy for us is strong." Mm. See again, Where I, are I you? Um, second verse: "His steadfast for steadfast is his kindness to us." Hmm. There's two different translations. Oh, I have the I I yeah. Sometimes <laughs> the Psalms get a little bit wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say because because it's very poetic. Yours is better because yeah. stronger. Just that's clearer. It's, I see what you're saying. Steadfast is abstract and kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like I just like that idea that His mm. mercy for us is strong. It's almost like like when you have a mm. child who's thrashing and is just wants to go crazy, and you're just like. <laughs> And the, the Lord yeah. is just like strong in the midst of us. And then the mm. faithfulness of the Lord is forever. Yes. Alleluia. Like, yeah. Yeah. like uh, the, mm. our theme for this year is mm. Amicus Fidelis. Amicus Fidelis. Um, we faith- should add foreverus to it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just faithful friend. 
yeah. that the Lord is primarily, a, first of all, a faithful friend towards us. And because of that... We're a faithful friend towards him, and then well, a faithful yes. friend towards one another. And what does it mean to be a faithful friend? Well, it means leaving our church once in a while and going out smack in the middle of a campus that doesn't understand what we're doing and right. proclaiming the good news. Right. That is actually what it means to be a faithful friend, because our job is to be friends with the world and the culture and those around us. Right. For us, it's to be friends with CU. Friend in the in the, in the the true philosophical sense, not right. like acquaintance. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I know some CU people. But, like, we are the friend of the universe. That's our job as campus ministry, as university ministry. It's not just a campus ministry, right? It's a ministry to the university, from the president down through the administration, through the faculty, through the teachers, to the sports, to the students, to every little tiny awkward freshman. That is what the ministry is. Right. And it's not, yeah. I could die. That's a soapbox. But, well, but this is the thing. But is, that is, is friendship. That's, that's true amicus fidelis. Amicus fidelis. And, and it's, it's a call inside of us to be faithful friends. Yeah. And, uh, mm. and, and, and to be a faithful friend is actually to be strong. Yes, and the only it way, it. and the only way we get through strong is through a, an actual discipline. Well, the only reason that we can be faithful friends to those around us is if we are faithful friends to Jesus, who gives us strength. Right, who is first a friend to who us? Is first who's... a friend to us, who is a survi- a fugitive survivor. A fugitive survivor. I keep going back to that, but that's yeah. cool. I like that a fugitive survivor, and because of that, that's the whole character the church takes. Right. Like, right? And you're like, what, who are you? You guys are weird. <laughs> and it's like, like, you kind of seem a little... It's like Jean Valjean, It's actually. like Jean Valjean. But this is, this is powerful because <laughs> it says uh, for in Hebrews... Okay, Hebrews. On the my son, day. don't disdain the discipline of the Lord. Yes, right. Like, this is the thing is that, that there's a reason... I, I, whenever mm-hmm. I talk about discipline, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I believe that the, the word for disciple comes from the same root as discipline. Is that true? At least in English. It, well, in English, for sure. In English, this is how we actually understand it. Hmm. Uh, I don't know, actually, in the Greek or in the Latin. Discipulo, uh, discipulis, I don't know. We'll see. Pistis is... No, faith. That's Pistis faith. is faith in Greek. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I, I looked it up. I can't remember what the discipline is. Um but whatever. Okay. Um, but this is the, the beautiful part is that mm-hmm. we have that root in our language. Yes. And as, yeah, right. as somebody who actually um, is trained by another, because that's what discipline is. It's, it's a training. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, you think, what, who are the greatest masters among us? They're, they're not merely just a spontaneous phenom. Yoda. Yoda. Shut up. I'm trying to get the Grubers to like us again. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the thing is that, is that yeah, I think of a violin master. Okay. How much, how much practice do you actually have to be a musical yeah. master? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. I watched that, that movie Whiplash, and, which was a terrifying movie um, oh, yeah. about the drummer. Oh, and here's somebody who, who like has tyrannical, tyrannical discipline. Hmm. Actually, my, my definition of, of tyranny recently is, is, um, is asking somebody to do something without providing them the resources to do it. Asking someone to do something without providing the resources to do it, yeah, yeah, and to just say like, yeah, absolutely, you will now make brick with no straw, which is what Pharaoh. Will, so Pharaoh's a tyrant. Pharaoh's a tyrant, which is why it's interesting that then in the New Testament, Paul constantly refers to Satan as a kind of Pharaoh. 
who right. demands things of us, but does not give us the resources to do it. Right. Which is where sin ultimately leads us into this helplessness, which right. is not fatherly discipline. Right. Yeah, sorry, I'm spinning out on that. Right, exactly. And so then, but then you think about somebody who's actually become disciplined in their lives for a particular thing, and they yeah. become masterful. Yeah, yeah. If they, if they take the discipline, it, they to take themselves. the discipline and allow the discipline to what strengthen them. Right, right, right. And that's and that's where it's. it's but it's actually not pulling, really... It's not like the pulling yourself up by your bootstraps kind of strengthening. It's allowing the discipline to make you strong. You right. Know what I mean, exactly. You're not doing. You're not like oh, build the brick, figure out the bricks yourself. No, no, no. I'm actually going to be taught. I'm going to be led, which, and that will make me strong. Right. Which is our our temptation is to say that the only ones who are really good are the phenoms. That yes, you're 100 percent right. good at it at the time that you're four years old. Yes. Right. We, we become fascinated with that on YouTube, on TV yeah. programs. Look at this four year. Look, yeah. I saw a six year old Japanese drummer the other day. Um, who she's just like. But we love absolute, stuff like that. We love it because it, because it's. Because it's so other I- than us. Right. It sidesteps this idea of continual improvement. Yeah. We don't have to be 100% ever. Right. But, but we, every day we have to grow. Yeah. And this mm. is actually, this is actually the, the hard part is that the Lord continues to send us things to say, please grow. You're not going to just stay here because if you, if, you, uh, at, if you think that it's just the phenom who's the one who's important, yes. you miss everything because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves as a father. Yes. And, and, it's, and it's in that moment of his fatherhood that we actually we, we come alive. Well, that's what he says. He says, at that time, all discipline seems like not cause for joy, but for pain. But later, it brings peaceful fruit of righteousness. Right. Those who are trained by it. That's what you just said. Right. It brings joy. And that's, so, oh, sorry. And that's why I like this line. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline mm. of the Lord. Which um, is heavy. <laughs> Yeah, do not disdain. It says, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord. I like, do not regard lightly the dis- discipline of the Lord. As if the things that the Lord is actually trying to teach us in the midst of the lo- our lives are just kind of this thing like, okay, that's a nice idea. Right. Sure, that could be cool. It's like, no, like, if you were really to take seriously what you already know in your heart is good to do, how much would change in your life. And that's where we don't live self-examined lives. Oftentimes what we do is we actually just try to get through and we live on emotion, not on reason. We don't actually reason out our lives and say, where do I want to be? Like, what am I actually trying Mm. to do? What is the thing that has been put on my heart by God? And let me take that seriously and work towards that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because discipline is, doesn't seem like a cause for joy, but for pain. I don't know why I said that in a New Jersey accent. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> that... it, was, it was almost a Beastie Boys accent. <laughs> <laughs> Boys. Boys. Noise. Noise. Noise, Peter. Um, but, then, so there... but this is where we get to the there we have gospel. Yeah. But this is the thing is I think that the gospel acclamation is, is our jumping off point. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the yeah, life. From John, yeah. No one comes to the Father who gives this will, who gives this, this strengthening. Yes, the disciplining. Right. And how does he give the strengthening? Is through Jesus, who has already accomplished all the things. Yeah. Who is the survivor fugitive? Who is the survivor fugitive? Yeah. Fugitive survivor, let's say it that way. Fugitive survivor. That's how Isaiah says it. I like fugitive survivor. Is that that right? Fugitive survivor. I mean, I'm just going on the gospel. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. So this fugitive fugitive who will become a survivor after he comes back to life. Survivor. Is survivor right? Yeah. Yeah, who have survived because he comes back. Okay. Survivor or, or, or the saved. Sa- the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Fugitive saved. Yeah. 
Well, Jesus isn't saved. He saves. Right. But he survives. But he entrusts himself to the Father in such a way that that, that we can see his salvation rot in him. This is getting rot with a W, not rot like an R. R, No. Okay, so Jesus, the fugitive survivor, passed through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, making his way to Jerusalem. And if he's not in Jerusalem, where is he right now in chapter 13? Tarshish, Lud, or Put? Well, he's not quite in (laughs) Tarshish. But he's in in, uh, Judea and Samaria. He's in the non-Jewish places right now, I believe. I think in chapter 13, I think he's still up north. So he's literally in the places of the outsiders, so to speak. And he's going among them. And there's plenty of Jews there, but I mean, he's, he's in these outsider places. And he's passing through the towns and villages. He's making his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, and I'm wondering if it's somebody who is an outsider, because it sounds like something an outsider would ask, right? Right, right. Lord, will only a few people be saved? Oh, and that's, saved. But that's an important line, because I, I think we got to put this into its first century context, because most of the time in the New Testament, the New Testament ethos, the mindset, right? When somebody asked about, when we hear the word saved because of Americanized Christianity, we hear what happens to you when you die. Are you saved? It means where you go when you die, Um, which is really not primarily what it meant in the ancient world. To be saved, sozo, actually uh, Caesar, Caesar Augustus offered salvation to all those who came under his rule because to be saved meant primarily to be under the protection of the Savior. And Caesar Augustus called himself the Savior of the world. And he said, if you want to be saved, you have to um, come under me. So when someone's asking this of Jesus, in the Jewish sense of the word, to be saved meant more having to do with being a part of the family of God right here and right now, and not strictly about where you go when you die, which is really important for us to keep in mind, right? Obviously, it has to do with what happens when you die. Which is like, this is the accusation of the church, which is an escapism. Right, which is not fundamentally what the church is. It's a here and now reality. It's amicus fidelis. It's being a faithful friend now. It's not some sort of, um, it's not like, um, I mean, we can talk about it in reward language. We can. Yeah, yeah, sure. But that's not it's its not primary. It's not the most useful way no, to talk about the kingdom of God is upon you. Yes. It's within reach. Literally, you can stretch out your hand and touch it. Right. That's how real and tangible it is. Right. Um, so, Lord, will only a few people be saved? And I think what this guy is asking, or girl, whoever it is, how many people will be able to come into the family of God? Because we've read the Old Testament. We know the story. We saw how Israel seemed to lose this. We see how punishment came and all of this hard trials were wrought. Does that mean no one can be a part of the family of God? Because we saw how easy it was for Israel to lose it and for their temple to be destroyed. And then, yeah, I get they rebuilt it, but God hasn't, still hasn't come back to it. So are we in or are we out? And how do you get in? And how many people will be let in? I think that's what's behind this question. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you insiders or outsiders? And Jesus answered him, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. Strong. Strong. They're strong again. I haven't seen that. It's all throughout this, isn't it? it? It really is. They won't be strong enough. God will go out to the many and he will give them the opportunity to come under the discipline of the father, which really, if you, if you, if you interpret this rightly, what does it mean to be saved, to be found worthy of the discipline of the father? 
Yeah, it's so interesting because he says, strengthen your drooping hands and your weak knees in, in Hebrews. In Hebrews. Yeah. So what is it? What, what is what is a drooping hand? It's like at your side. It's, yeah. uh, it's your arms. What are arms and hands meant to do? Strong things. Literally <laughs> everything. Things, so, yeah. So when, you're, when your arms, you can't embrace, you can't mm. push away, you can't defend, you can't create... Mm. Um, your drooping hands, it means that you're exhausted doing something that isn't about the things of God. Hmm. And your weak knees, what what are weak knees? You can't move forward, you can't move back, Hmm. you can't um, uh, chalk on the ground. (laughs) You know, you can't worship. I mean, like, there are these things that are, it's just really these two very interesting and uh, analogous things. Hmm. Um, And it's like... um, that what is 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 weakened may not be dislocated. I mean, this is about joints. Joints yeah. are always about relationships. Right. How do how does the structure of things relate? So you say like, how do I relate to God, to His ministers, to these priests, these Levites? How do I relate to this one who's the head, who is Jesus, who is saying that I am the fugitive Savior. Mm. I am the fugitive saved. I like. And I'm here to strengthen you and to give you, to show you what this discipline looks like so that you can be strengthened. What does it look like to be strengthened? To follow the Lord's commandments is really the truth of it. I mean, like, like what is the discipline of the Lord? Is to saying, like, yeah, we're yeah. going to go through the world in a specific set, specific way. That's right. And, 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 it's, and it's summarized by being a faithful, allowing God to be a faithful friend to us by looking for him with our minds, in our desires, in our hearts, then friending him back and to being able to be actual with him. And Did then you just to... say friending him back? Yeah. I, okay, and I expect feel... me to not call uh, her I, I can't believe I said it. I feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't even know how uh, much I hate. We do. I really, we can sense it. I really like want to move away some, from virtualized friendships. Mm. I mean, like, I, I just, I, we need each other to be present for real in our lives. And, and social media is great for a few certain things, but in a certain way, it just, it just, it, 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 it's, it's ruining us. Are podcasts in that same category? Yes. <laughs> sure. This, this podcast is ruining you right now. I will you, edit you, that out. You know what, you know, this is the thing, Scott, <laughs> Yes. is that my great desire yeah. is that people would sit around in their houses reading these scriptures and mm. debating and discussing with their favorite books and to actually just look at a commentary. Li- literally, I, w- you have a lot of study into this, so I'm super thankful. But the truth is, is that I'm just a bro. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the same study. I I, I have some, my, my, my formal studies of the scriptures really actually reside within this podcast itself. <laughs> These are the most formal studies that's, that I that I've gotten. That's the way to do it, and and this that's is what it's for, right? And this is what's powerful. And then I go and I actually do formals. I mean, I do study before the Blessed Sacrament. I just yeah. meditate on this stuff. Yeah, it's it's it, literally that's all you have to do. My desire is not that, that this would be your sole oh, form of study of us. Scripture, but that you would actually have real relationships by which you're going and digging into this stuff because it, yeah. it it all it takes is a heart disposed in grace to be able to understand this stuff. Yeah. Far too many times do I read things about the scriptures without just simply reading the scriptures. Right. If you want to prepare for Sunday Mass, go take your Bible, go sit before the Blessed Sacrament and just read it. Right. And then read it again. And then read it again. And then listen to it and reflect on it and do some Lexio. I mean, that's how many times, though, I read all about the scriptures and then at the last minute I'm like, oh, I should read the actual passage. You know what I mean? Right. And, that, and I and, shoot myself in the foot. And I feel good every time I engage the scriptures. Yeah. 
and that actually it strengthens me to because everything happens in prayer. Yeah, everything that I need for my day is is contained within my holy hour. Well, which makes sense because in your holy hour you're sitting before the Word of God made flesh, right? And hopefully we're reading the Word of God made written. But the scriptures are not just, I mean, the way the church understands it, the scriptures are not just these books about Jesus. Right. There is the presence of God in the word made written. Right. Which is real, and it's a different kind of nature than the Eucharist is, but it is to be reverence. So we're not just reading about Jesus in the gospel. We're encountering him in the gospels. But I forget that all the time. Right. So yeah, I mean, listen to the podcast. I hope you listen to the podcast, but then I hope you go and take the readings and then... Sit with them a little bit. Yes. If, if nothing else, at the very least, and then find some bros or sisters and and read them together and get to, and abide and abide stuff. together and abide together and let yourself be disciplined. Let yourself fall under the discipline that the scriptures ask of us. When we really dig in, and you, we're like, oh, that's hard. You know what I love is is there's a few times, few movements within the church where people have gotten together and they've read the scriptures and they say. Mm-hmm. What if we actually lived this? Imagine out? that. Yeah. What, what What if we together mm. took this seriously and just did it? And you know what happens is, is saints are generated. It the world, right? Like literally, you, you it's That's it's true. right now. Thousands of people end up flocking, flocking, flocking together. Oh, in those times, yeah, yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. in those moments you where you just, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and just like people are just flocking together. It's awesome. Yeah, and. Because uh, the birds yeah. of a feather, when Flock you take together. it seriously. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, it's not funny. What I you're saying know, is true. I, know, I don't know why yeah. I'm laughing at it. I don't know. It's a, it's a funny analogy. Yeah. So It's the but, right one. But that, that's where I'm like, what is the narrow gate? It's just saying like, you know what? I'm an adventure seeker. You think, you think that, um, that Indiana Jones is bold? You think that he is strong through his anthropology and his little notebooks? I'll tell you what. I see, I see an Indiana Jones notebook worthy of any movie right in front of me in that little this one? yellow thing. Oh. <laughs> it's called a manila folder. Father. Manila folder. <laughs> I, uh, could, I couldn't name it. No, but th- but name that's it and claim it. Name it and claim it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else to say other than this is, well, I don't okay. know, I, I feel really good well, right on. now all Let, of a Let's sudden. put these pieces together really quick, because I didn't actually see this. So everything we just talked about, Yo. this reality, look at what Jesus says. So strive to enter through the narrow gate, but okay. he, 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 he doesn't leave you with that. He's like, narrow gate, period. But then he describes what he means by that. He says, it's like this. Many, I tell you, will try to enter, but will not be strong enough. That goes back to strength. How does someone become not strong enough? By not receiving the discipline. By not actually encountering it and doing those things and moving and putting one foot before the other every day. That's what makes you strong. You become not strong enough when you don't do those things, you, when you, you sit on your what I've been bottom. Telling, what I've been telling people recently is I'm like, I'm like, pray that the Lord would send you an opportunity for transformation and that you would have the strength to do it when he presents it to you. Yes. Because this is the thing is I have plenty of opportunities for transformation, but oftentimes I am not strong enough to actually say yes to it. Right. Which is not receiving the discipline. Right. But but he goes further. And then he says, um, further. after the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then you'll stand outside and you'll knock and you'll say, hey, open the door for us. And he'll say, I don't know where you guys are from. And you will say, but we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets. And then he'll say to you, I don't know where you're from. Depart from me, you evildoers. And I'm listening to what we were just talking about, and I'm hearing these words that Jesus said. We ate and drank. I mean, how many of us will say, man, Jesus, I read a ton of books about you. I was in proximity to you in the Mass all those times. I never really talked to you. I never really read you in the Gospels, but I, I heard about you. 
I mean, we we ate nearby you. We were in proximity. We heard about you teaching in our streets. We didn't come and encounter you, but you were there. We were nearby. We were in town. You know what I mean? I'm I'm hearing yeah. that for the first time now, and I'm hearing myself in all of the times I think about Jesus, or I talk about Jesus, or I read about Jesus, and it's the same thing. Jesus, don't you know how many times I taught about you? Don't you know how many times I, you know, read about you? I prayed near you, you know? But did you talk to me? Did you know me? Did you accept the discipline? Did you put one foot in the other when I asked you to? No, but I heard about others doing it, and that was cool. I read some cool saint stories. I got really inspired. I didn't do it. But I knew about it. I mean, that's what these guys are saying, right, yeah, in this yeah. parable. We were nearby, and we heard some cool things. But did you do it? Mm. Did you know me, or did you just know some stuff about me? Mm-hmm. Well, we knew some stuff about you. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not the same thing. You can't just know about your spouse and expect to have a good relationship. You can't expect to know about your friends on Facebook, but never actually encounter them. That's not friendship. It's just not. And that's where Jesus isn't some mean, judgmental deity who's angry at us for these things. It's like, no, if you want relationship, that's not relationship. Reading and stalking all your friends on Facebook and finding out what they're doing, but never actually having a conversation with them, that's not friendship. Or going and doing things. Or going and doing anything or encountering them. That's not friendship. We've become a culture that thinks that it is, which tells me that there's really, as much as I rail against social media and stuff, there's really nothing about different about us than there was in the time of Jesus. It's the same thing. Right. Oh, we know all about this stuff, but do you know me? No, not really. Right. And there's a bunch of people who probably don't even know that they don't know. And right. who knows? The ones who become fugitive survivors. Right. Who say, yeah, no, this discipline is hard and I'm rejected and I'm Paul from Tarshish and I quit my job and I got rejected by everybody and I disavowed all of the things that I thought I knew about myself for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. That's what he says. He says it in Philippians. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. That's what that's what this is all about. That's what takes the strength. But it's not a strength that we have because Paul doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to go and do this thing. He says, I will receive this. And that's what makes me strong. Mm. Which I think is very important. It is. And that's why some who are last will be first and some who are first will be last. Paul thought he was first. He He says that about himself, right? All the time. I was the best. I was the greatest teacher. I was the best Benjaminite. I was the best of this. I was the best of that. I was number one is what he literally keeps saying. And so I chose to make myself number (laughs) <laughs> 1023, uh, you, whatever it is. Let's I chose to make myself last right. to count it all as scubula. I'm going to make the conscious choice to stop being number one so I can be last so that I can gain this place in this relationship. Right. I don't know. That's what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Uh, Fugitive survivors. And this is, this, is, this is the craziest part is that when we acknowledge that God is Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord, then... He is strong, and we find ourselves in Him. And we find our strength in Him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. All right, Amicus Fidelis. Amicus Fidelis, find your strength. We'll see you next week. Yep, pray for the thing. Pray for all the things. Okay, bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org A-I-C-T. And you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.